Welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I'm Cesar, your host for today, and on the latest episode, we're going to dive into Liga Mekis Final, changes within Liga Mekis, Mexico's roster, possible moves abroad, and much more. And joining me today is Lizzie. Lizzie, how are you doing this Wednesday, right? It's not Monday. No. It's not Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It's, it's, it's a big week. Actually, it makes sense that we're recording on Wednesday, not on a not on a Monday, because there's there's some big stuff happening uh, tomorrow and on, on the weekend. Yeah, it's been um, absolutely chaotic. Um, so I can't wait to dive into it all because there is so much to get into. Yeah, and you know what? You're you're based out of that's what, you're based out of Miami or the Miami area, right? Mm-hmm. There's like, what's what's the vibe like out there? For I'm curious because. Once again, none of this is, uh, you know, when, when we're recording the pods now, actually, I give Lizzie just four sentences. And I'm like, all right, good luck. <laughs> um, so so she doesn't know what I'm asking here. But what's like the vibe like in, in, in Miami? Is there is there a big Mexican soccer league? I know there's a lot of different kind of cultures going on out there in Miami. But are there like, could you go to like a, a like, like, is there a go to spot or a bar we could watch some Liga Mekis? Or is that a little tough out there? It's definitely... Um diverse when it comes to the Hispanic community. I wouldn't say the Mexican population is predominant here. I think what right, like right. we have across the country, I mean, you have communities in Texas, California, just so many that would dominate Miami. But there are some some local places where you can get some good birria tacos and jarritos and watch Liga Mekis. Um, so there are there are spots, but I would say few in comparison to what's out there on the West Coast. All right. So what we should do is send an email to you know through the N because they're out there, right? They'd be like, have it have a through the N bar. Actually, there's a member of the Mexican soccer show who's actually a pretty like higher up posi- a person at, at the end. but. Damn, I feel like that's a missed opportunity there. But anywho, I feel like we could we could, I could probably talk for for a long time about how there's a, a missed opportunity with the marketing Liga Mekis out here. But let's dive into the actual soccer, right. Lizzie, before we start talking about the business end of things, uh, which can probably bore a lot of people. But let's dive into the Liga Mekis final. We got Chivas. We got Tigres. It'll, the first leg will be on, on Thursday. So I'll be uh, in Tigres' home, home ground, the Estadio Universitario, also known as El Volcán. And then on Sunday, Estadio Akron in Guadalajara known as Estadio Akron in Guadalajara, <laughs> um, formerly the Estadio Chivas. Lizzie, your thoughts on these two teams? Are these the two teams that you expected? Because I thought it'd be Chivas Rayados, but that's, that's not the case. Absolutely not. Like, in the slightest, I thought it would be Rayos America, to be completely honest. Oh, so you, so you thought it was the exact opposite. Okay. Yeah, I really did think so. And not just because of the tournament that they had as a whole, but during the year, I think I saw moments of brightness on both teams. But that being said, I did say from the beginning that if there were two teams to beat Rayos in America, it would be Tigres and Chivas. More so because of the emotional component to these games. Um and the meaning behind these classicos that sometimes can get into players' heads and affect yeah. that as a whole. And I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the whole Tano Ortiz situation of it all and how that affected him. But yeah, I, I didn't see this one coming at all. I mean, if we had talked about this from the beginning in the first couple of weeks of the clausura, I don't think anyone could have predicted Tigres Chivas in the final. Right. Because there's there's two big reasons for each club um one more so later on their season one more so beginning of the season with Chivas you're looking at a team that had a new manager Panovic um and a new uh sporting director you know Yerro and essentially basically the same roster as the one that really didn't do that well last season so you're thinking okay Maybe they'll do all right. Maybe they could be a playoff team. Maybe they like, but you didn't imagine they would go that far. I, to be perfectly honest, I don't even know if they were even going to qualify uh, for mm. the playoffs, but they definitely surpassed my expectations there. And then with Tigres, my doubts were more so at the very end of the regular season as opposed to the very beginning. Because I think at the very beginning, you're just like, well, the team's aging, but they're going to be title contenders. Are they going to win the title? I'm not sure. But then heading into the playoffs, 
they have their third manager of the season. And actually, it's technically four managers if you want to go all the way back to November. And I say all the way all the way back to November as if that's a long time ago. It's not yeah, that no. long of a time ago. They've had three different managers this season. They've had inconsistent results, but they've qualified for the final too. So it's just it's it's really, really surprising to see the two finalists and and for you. You know, actually, before we look ahead to the final, you mentioned you know Dano Ortiz there. Let's 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 reflect on some of the well the losers. <laughs> they got a couple of losers <laughs> who lost the semi and semi final round. And let's go to America. What what were your thoughts on America on Ortiz? You know what went wrong with them and your and your thoughts on their you know obviously a disappointing exit for them in the semi final round. I think his mediocrity as a head coach cost them another title. Dang. Quite honestly, I think when you look at the roster that Club America has, and yeah, they have some weaknesses in that back line, as of course any team does, but in the attack, I mean, you look at Cabecita, you look at Henry, Sendejas, Mm -hmm. like there's no reason that trio can't be excelling at every game. And then in the back, you have Luis Malagón, who's, I'm sorry, given a fantastic showing in the past couple games. So you, you partner that. And you really think they'd go far enough to win a title. Because if you look at rosters independently of um, their performances, Club America excels as opposed to a Tigres, who, as you just mentioned, was aging and there was aging concerns. Or Chivas, who had the same roster last season and kind of failed. So independently looking at that and their statistics, yeah, they they should have excelled. Unfortunately for Tanortis, I think, that moment after Fidalgo's red card will define his legacy at Club America. Yeah. Those changes were done so out of fear, out of yeah. mediocrity, out of desperation. And those three words should never characterize Club America and more so with this roster. And I think that was the concerning aspect because it wasn't – it wasn't lost on the field. It was lost from the bench. How do you, how do you take Cabecita out? Yeah. How yeah. do you put it, Jonathan Santos? Like how it was just so baffling to reach the 80th minute and see that out of five five substitutes, you have none as a coach. Like how do you get to that point? How do you lose? And by the time that he made those substitutions, Club America was in the final. Like. Yeah. They were up. So I think he, he completely fumbled it, but it wasn't it wasn't out of character for him to act in this mediocre manner. Yeah. And that was, I think, the most frustrating thing. Not even concerning. I think it was frustrating seeing that happen. Yeah, so this is Don Ortiz who announced after the game that his cycle was over um, with Globe America. And yeah, I, I, I agree. It was it was surprising because looking ahead to this semifinal series if i get if i had to make a guess for this side that would be having a little bit of a strenuous end to this uh, series i'm not saying it was a strenuous but would be you know struggling at the very end of this semifinal series my guess is it would have been more so chivas than america and america looked more afraid it was weird like you said it it was weird because as dramatic as that ending was to that semifinal series, as dramatic as that last goal was for Chivas, I didn't feel surprised by it. I in my it was weird because I was watching it and I was like, oh yeah, that was gonna happen. Yeah, I wasn't. Was gonna... thinking, I, I, it was weird because I wasn't thinking, oh, what what an incredible you know feat by Chivas. This is this is ama- it, it, amazing. My, what my mind immediately thought was, yeah, this is where the game was heading. Yeah. This is what was about to happen, and it felt kind of inevitable actually it just felt like it was almost supposed to happen based off the way that america set themselves up and yes it's important to recognize that yes fidalgo he earned that red it was a very dumb red you know you know when you watch the replay there is no need for him to do that and it was weird too because i don't really associate him with being that kind of player right. and i you and you got to give him credit too in the post-game press conference or not the but the mix zone you know he he took full he, he took full responsibility uh for the loss so you got to give him credit for that but it, you know I, I i'm still was really really underwhelmed by by this america side and also on the flip side if we're now talking about chivas you got to give them credit too because 
I think something that really impressed me was Panovic suddenly putting three central defenders yeah. in that game. And that basically, I mean, I mean, Henry Madigan didn't really do much um, right. in, in, in that yeah. game. I didn't, it was one of those things where you're watching the game and Henry Madigan touches the ball and you're like, oh, that's right. What has he been doing the last you know, 15, 20 minutes? So you got to give... You got to give Panovic credit there. You got to give Chivas credit for doing that because it wasn't just the red for Fidalgo. It wasn't just Dano Ortiz, uh, yeah. uh, you know, messing up, which I think he did mess up. I think it was just Panovic just, uh, you know, he he tactically outmaneuvered uh, Dano Ortiz yeah. in this game. Yeah, 100%. And he is a fantastic coach and really saw potential in this otherwise defeated Chivas side. My concern with Dano is like, Yes, the red card to Fidalgo was shocking and shouldn't have happened. But but it's also not as astonishing because it's a common occurrence. And as a head coach, you kind of plan for these situations. Right. I mean, you didn't get three red cards so that it drastically changed the situation. Or it's not something we haven't seen in this sport. As a head coach, you have to be prepared. And this is quite a common occurrence. Right. So for that to change the entire aspect of the game, and I think something we've seen with Dan Ortiz in particular is he lets the opponent decide how the game is going to be played. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that happened against Chivas. I mean, they came to Estadio Azteca and they set the tone, the style, the movement. Like, everything was in their core. And, the, I mean, Club America were, were more so reactive yeah, instead of, okay, you're in our stadium and we're going to set the tone in what we're doing. I think that was the biggest concern because it can either go one or two ways, which works during the regular season because, yeah, contra golpe, like, okay, you they set the tone, the opponent sets the tone, and then on a breakaway, you score a goal and you win, whatever. The worst case scenario is you lose or you draw, but it's regular season, so the results are, I mean... With the current state, which I'm sure we'll talk about the changes, but with the current yeah. state of the playoffs, um, it really is not that big of a deal for a Club America to tie a couple times. But that can't be your tactic in the playoffs. Like there should be a, a different way of approaching these games because you can no longer let an opponent decide how you're going to play at home, especially, especially Chivas, who yeah. historically wants to defeat you and will do anything to defeat you not just because you're in the semifinals but because it's chivas like it, how he was so calm in these situations it was just but yes um credit to chivas Piojo Alvarado gave the game of his life and um, i would like to just bring up a couple of episodes that we did prior to the okay. world i was the only one praising him um okay i want to say always believed in my guy it was more so the coaching than him he's great Roberto Messi Alvarado with that with that run that he did. That was uh, on, it was an incredible run. I was I was when he did I was like when he did I was like I was prepping my mind because you can't you can't help sometimes but have a certain not a stereotype but a certain kind of uh, kind of like character that you have in your mind when you look at certain players. So when I saw Piojo. Um, knock over Zendejas, which I thought was a clean, I thought that was like yeah. a clean kind of like situation there. Um, my son knocked him over, get the ball basically from his own 18 yard box. Immediately, in my mind, I couldn't help it, but the, I was thinking, oh, he's probably gonna lose the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor pass. He's yeah. gonna, and then he just kept going. He kept going. And in my mind, I was like, I was like, is that, is that Piojo? Is that really Piojo? I just look at like the great, the like just the most amazing run of his career. Just, uh, yeah, shout out to him. That's yeah. phenomenal. And I saw a couple of reactions of why couldn't you have done this with the national team? Where did this come from? And it it kind of forces the question, well, what was he being told right. under certain management and now under new management that he embraces it? Because this, I mean, if he can go on and keep doing things like that for Chiaz and even for the Mexican national team, then power to you. Yeah, yeah. So Really quickly before we start looking ahead uh, to the final, what was which team was more disappointing for you with their with their performance? You can say a manager too. Was it Dan Ortiz in America, or was it Vucetich and Rayados in their own semifinal series against 
biggest? What was more disappointing for you? I want to say Club America was more disappointing, um, uh-huh. but the situation as a whole. And the reason I, I don't say Tan Ortiz is because though frustrating, it wasn't completely out of character for him. I mean, this is a coach who's taken Club America to the semifinals mm-hmm. three times in a row and has lost mm-hmm. semifinals three times in a row. And so we we know at this point it's a mental game for him and he couldn't really cross that um, line. But I think it's disappointing to see such a great roster not take home a title. I feel like Henry Martin deserves that trophy. Like the, the players you have out there, they just try so hard and – to have it fumbled from the bench. I don't know. I think as a whole, it was disappointing and not one I saw coming, especially because of the 1-0 in the beginning. Though, obviously, with that game as well, there was a lot of chances either way, but both teams played an excellent match in that mm-hmm. first series. Like, that was yeah. a good game of football. Yeah. It was just, it was, I don't know. It was disheartening. I was <laughs> no, was agreed, bad. agreed. And yeah, and really quickly on Rayados Tigres, uh, and obviously talking about Rayados here um, before we look ahead to the final. I think for me with Rayados, it must be, it must be incredibly frustrating to be a Rayados fan yeah. because they have they have the fancy stadium, they have the the passionate fan base, they have the big names, the big signings, and and they have they've had great regular season runs. You know, this is a team that. You know, I think I haven't exactly like like crunched the numbers, but if I was to look at the the regular season from the last five years, Rayados are probably they've got to be a top one, two, three side consistently yeah. in the regular season. But th- that hasn't always you know helped them you know you know win these titles. I, I and it's and it's got to be so incredibly frustrating for fans to to see another exit in the playoffs because it seems like they have all the right pieces there. And it's almost, I don't want to say boring because that feels weird to say that it's boring, but it's almost boring to see how well they did this season, to see how well-rounded they were in defense and attack. But there was a part of my like my mind that I knew was just like, oh, they're going to somehow mess up in the playoffs. I'm not sure entirely how. I'm not sure you know if it's going to be you know due to Vucetich, but they're somehow going to mess up. And they and they did, and it's not surprising. It's and and, and, I, and I don't know why it's not, it's not that surprising. But once again, uh, another great regular season for Rayados. Another great, you know, you can say even another great regular season for for Vucetich as well. But they just weren't able to pull it off once the once the playoffs started, and and against their and against their crosstown rivals too. And they just played so cautiously uh, in, in in the semifinals, but. But yeah, your, your, your thoughts on Rayados? I think for me, it's it's a little bit of predictability. They played in a way that was predictable. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned you expected them to struggle, and, and so did I, but I think it came from an aspect of, well, Liga Mekis can't ever really be predictable. Um, you <laughs> right. need chaos. Like, in my head, of course, it made sense on paper for Rayados to face Grupo América in the final, like, two like favorites, better teams, like regular season, just like more consistent throughout. But of course it wasn't going to happen. Like something had to get messed up on the way. So that's where the magic and chaos and craziness of Liga Mekis comes in. Because of course it wasn't going to be like on paper. But I don't know. I think there was a lack of excitement from Rayado's side. Yeah. More creativity on the ball and that's not to say that they don't have skill I mean we saw it during Clausura regular season games like they they excelled dominated throughout but there was a lack of excitement and I I think that there needs to be more of a distinguished line between regular season and Liga and potentially something that coaches don't understand is that more is required during playoffs and you can't mm-hmm. play the same exact way that you've been playing during the regular season because it's a different it, I mean, it kind of just seems like a different league entirely. Like, you're yeah. not preparing for two legs. You're preparing for a mental aspect of this game. And it just – there's no ties. You're not going to penalties. You really – like, it's all decided in a very different fashion than what is regular season. So, more is needed. And I think there needs to be also a distinction in the way you approach a game. And I don't think by Rayados there was one. 
Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So now let's look ahead to the final. Lizzie, just going to ask you, you know, straight out, who's the favorite here? Is it Chivas? Is it Tigres? Who do you think is the favorite? To me, I think it's Chivas. Okay. I know. No, and but the thing is, like, that's, I, I agree. I agree. Really? Okay, because yeah. I didn't say it happily. Um, I was surprised because I thought you were going to go with the 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 actual answer, because I feel, well, I don't want to say the actual answer, but the answer which most will say, which is Tigres. Sorry, continue. No, I just think there's, and again, I say this because I, I don't think it's necessarily focused on when talking about Liga Mekis, but the mental component and emotional component to this game. Chivas is coming off of beating Club America, which in and of itself is a huge high. And doing so in the way that they did, there must be like a rally behind that team. Like, uh, we got mm -hmm. this momentum mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily think Tigres has. I mean, I know they also beat a rival and they had, that was a classical in and of itself, but I don't know. I think the momentum that Chias has established and the, the aspect of the team as a whole, I think they're both excellent on the field. Like they're pretty much a la par, like 50, 50 yeah. when it comes to stats and on paper and everything like that. Well, I actually, just, I think when you look at the stats, one's in third and one was in seventh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like, I'm wise, like I do think, okay, like, okay. like things they both had their struggles. They both should have acted better in in several different games. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a momentum to Chivas right now that is unbreakable that we'll see on the field. But they're both like wildly inconsistent. So we might see a meltdown. I don't know. Yeah, I, th I think the thing is, is like the more you read into it, the more you look into it, the more you look into the stats, the more you look into the form, it just points towards Chivas. It just, because when, when I think of Chivas, I think of more of a group that has been motivated, a group that has been united, a group that, you know, even without a true number nine for, for, for the playoffs, you know, like, yeah, you can yeah. say like, you can say that, you know, Ronaldo Cisneros, you know, you know, played in that in that in that last game, but he's not. The, he wasn't the the starting striker. You know, they've been using a false nine for three out of those four games. Long. He was just yeah, yeah, yeah. He he, he was uh, yeah, literally just in Atlanta like semi recently. Yeah. But so so I and and as much as I want to give credit to Alexis Vega and, and Victor Guzman, who I think Victor Guzman has been their their MVP this season. Yeah. I think both have been pretty like average so far in the playoffs, and yet despite that. Despite, I think Bonovich still trying to figure out if he needs a real number nine, if he needs a false number nine, and without some of his star players really stepping up, as as a group, they're doing really well. They're doing yeah. really well. They're organized. They, you know, I, and I know that you know, you know, Wachowski Menes gets a lot of uh, flack for some of the uh, mistakes he's made in 2023, but I think he's been a clutch player with some of the saves that he's made. And with Thigdis, I think it's more so of a team which understandably when you look at the roster is dependent on their individuals and yeah. and that makes sense because guess what they're individuals they're incredible players <laughs> you can't deny that you can't you can't deny the the experience you can't deny the talent that that theaters have but i think they have been far too dependent on them you know Saboli is still trying to figure things out you know he said in his press conference recently you know saying that like, you know, a month and a half ago, he would have never expected to have been here. You know, that it's like he, he wouldn't, because he, he he was, he didn't have a job a month and a half ago. Right. You know, you, you know, th you know they just were working on their third manager since November a month and a half ago. So I think on paper, Thigas have the better roster. And I think that's, if you do have a special moment from Gignac, we know he's obviously high, you know, very, very capable of a special moment. If you have a special moment from, I mean, you can almost the Cordova, you know, from from yeah. Pinones. Or you, you could, there's Diente Lopez. There's so many players that you you can mention in that roster, but they've been inconsistent. And you mentioned the teams being, you know, both inconsistent. I think the Eagles have been much more inconsistent. And if I were to put my faith and trust on a team doing a better job over two legs, I think it's going to be Chivas. And I think that that's why they pull it off. But I could be proven wrong. And I and and it'd be interesting if I was proven wrong because I think what that would say if Thigas do pull this off, I think that Thigas fans could then say, "Hey, look, we had a bad season. We have yeah. an aging group of players. Gignac isn't at his best anymore. He's looking a little bit slower. His finishing isn't that good, and we still won the title. 
Yeah. And I think you got you, you got to give credit to Thetas if they were able to do that. And I think that says a lot about how talented of a team they have. And it makes you think, well, what could this Thetas team do if they had a more of a long-term plan with a manager? And if yeah. they had some new some new faces, you know, some some, some younger faces. I know they, they brought some in during the during the regular season, especially near the end, but you think about how much more dangerous they could be. But looking at this specific final series, I, I'm thinking it's Chivas. I, th I, th I think Chivas takes yeah. it. I think my concern is for Tigres, we had the same type of narrative when talking about CONCACAF Champions League. Yeah. Yes, they should have triumphed. Yes, they should be looking forward to that final against LAFC, and they're not. And Leon isn't even, they weren't even top four. Like, they they weren't anywhere near the semifinals. And yet, they defeated Tigres and are now facing LAFC in the final for CONCACAF, obviously. So, yes, like, Tigres should be favorites. Yes, off the pitch, they dealt with extreme changes that seemed ridiculous when talking about, but... I don't know. There's something about that team that lacks emphasis, I guess. Like they, yeah, they lack that definitive factor. But on the other hand, my concern for Chivas is their playing style only lasts about 60 minutes because yeah. once you reach that mark, like once you reach that mark, the energy noticeably changes and it's just, diminishes really really quickly and you mentioned Alexis Vega not being the MVP or their star and I truly think it's because he doesn't even fit that style he's not fit enough to keep the speed he's not fit enough to keep running and, and getting those balls there there comes a point where he taps out and that's around the 60th minute so yeah if you want a high tempo game you're really like for Chiaz is going to be played in 160 minutes I mean 120 minutes split in two games and that last 30 on both is anyone's game. And I think, I think Tigres has more patience for that. Like they okay. spread their energy out. Whereas, All right. But who's, but who's going to go through? Who's going to go I through? Think, I think Chivas, but that, okay. is, right. that would be my only concern for them is that Tigres outlasts them with patience. Yeah. Okay, you're saying Chivas. I'm yeah. saying Chivas. So, in the according to the rules of Liga Mekis, it's whatever the opposite that we're gonna say. So, yeah, congratul congratulations, Tigres. You proved me wrong after many years in which I said that you will be winning titles, in which I was right half the time, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's switch gears over to uh, very boring, but also to me, very interesting uh, changes announced um, within uh, the FMF. Also changes announced within uh, Liga Mekis. So on Monday, Juan Carlos Rodriguez, um, he's a uh, former executive at Grupo Televisa and Univision. He is now the new president of, uh, of the FMF. Uh, Jan de Luisa, he announced earlier this year um, that he wasn't going to seek re-election for his uh, position. Um, Rodriguez, one of his uh, tasks that he's going to be he's gonna be uh you know in charge of as the new president he's is he's gonna be creating the ex executive commission of mexican soccer um so part of that is uh organizing uh the efforts of some upcoming changes for liga mechis um so what are those liga mechis changes so um these changes which were approved by team owners on monday and they were spearheaded by liga mechis president Mikel Ariola. so there's now going to be a financial prize uh, and a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League and the League's Cup knockout round for the year-long points leader. And when I say year-long points leader, I'm not saying from beginning of 2023 to end of 2023, but the 2023 to 2024 season, if that makes any sense. Um, roster spots uh, dropping from eight uh, to seven per... Or foreign roster spots, I should specify. Uh, dropping from eight to seven for each Liga Mekis team. Clubs now needing to submit financial reports to Liga Mekis beginning in 2024, which I was surprised that they didn't uh, already do that. Yeah. Um, additional regulations for, for players' agents. Uh, they're going to merge the men's U20 league and the second division Liga de Expansión into the new Expansión Sub-23, uh, so uh, in Liga de Expansión U23 league and reducing the amount of playoff invitations from 12 teams to 10 teams 
I'm going to take a breath here. Then we keep going with the, the different <laughs> changes that they made. And, they, <laughs> and what they mean by the 12 teams to the 10 teams in the playoffs is that the top six teams in the league table are automatically going to qualify for spots in the quarterfinal stage. And then you're going to have uh, number seven versus number eight playing for another spot in the playoffs. And the loser of that game will go up against the winner of number nine versus number 10 for that final playoff invitation. Um, also, if, if anybody's following along here and who has read my stories, I'm basically just going through my newser from last week. So no changes are going to be made. Uh, so this is from Monday's meeting. No changes are going to be made regarding promotion and relegation just yet, which is still on pause in, Mex in Mexico's top flight. Uh, so in order for pro route to return, there needs to be at least four certified teams in the second division that could then be eligible for promotion. Um, currently, only only one team, uh, Leones Negros, has been uh, uh, approved for eligibility. I did earlier this season, this isn't part of my news here, but I did earlier this season talk with uh, someone from Atlante who, who feel pretty confident that they will be eligible. So that could potentially be another team. We'll see if other teams will, for, will gain eligibility soon. But um, one thing which was revealed recently, the owners beating was that if a team were to one day gain promotion to Liga Mekis, relegation would then return two years afterwards. Mm -hmm. There's also a push to create a plan for centralized TV rights and sponsorship deals for Mexico, the United States, and abroad, which I think is absolutely huge. And for me yeah. personally, the biggest deal uh, from Monday's meeting, they're going to try to push more players, uh, not push, but aid more players with moves out of Liga Mekis, and they're going to create a new framework to sell clubs that share ownership with another Mexican team. So that's Atlas, Santos, Encaretero, and Mazatlan, who have announced interest in potentially bringing in new owners. All right, Lizzie, I just talked about uh, <laughs> for other four minutes. There. Those were all the different changes <laughs> and whatnot that were announced. And honestly, there's actually even more that we didn't even cover. Um, but your immediate thoughts on, on, on Monday's meeting. What, what, what stands out to you from, from Monday's meeting with club owners? I think a lot, some, yeah, it's a lot. some disappointing, more. some exciting. Um, I think the most noticeable change and immediate effect is obviously that difference in playoffs, which yes. I personally see as, as positive. I'm excited. I think there's, there's more at stake during the regular season. There's more to play for and not so much um, because the monetary reward is not as exciting for supporters because it's more so done behind the scenes. So how is yes. that enticing to fans watching? So exactly. bringing in that style, having um, numbers nine and 10 play, I guess, two rounds before reaching the playoffs. I think it's really exciting. I think there's more at stake and yeah, it's, I'm excited to watch that on TV. There's been too much of a grace period, I guess, at this point. And Yes, that means anything can happen and, and anyone can reach the final shore. But in my opinion, there's there's no reason this season that Santos that, that like played. Yeah, like there was or like there's there was no need for that and it shouldn't have happened, which I think was the definitive point that moving on to this new format is the way to move forward. A hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think that's the bigger thing. I think so like if you so if, if people want to know what people have been talking about media as the bigger talking points from that meeting, I think they would say number one, Rodriguez as the as a new president. Yeah. Um, and there has been skepticism um, because, you know, because this isn't more so of a sporting person, but it's someone from a broadcast history, whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, we'll leave it up to you. The second thing that people have been talking about is obviously, yes, um, the playoffs, um, which I think I personally would have preferred if it just went straight back to, eight teams okay. the traditional route i think this is still a step in the right direction but not the big leap that i wanted which i think is a greater theme for this meeting where i think that there is a lot of small steps in the right direction but not the big big leap that i wanted i wanted that i i personally wanted them to announce more teams that were possibly eligible for promotion i was really keeping my fingers crossed that they would say hey promotion relegation or at least promotion is back for the 2023-2024 yeah. season. That's not what we got, but that's but, um, but there's still a possibility for that in the future. But as I mentioned there, I think something that's a little lost and hasn't been talked about enough, and we, you know, we don't have to dive into it too long here, but 
it's going to take a lot of work for teams to agree to a plan, but I think it's pretty massive for teams and team owners to be like, yeah, we're going to create a framework for centralized TV rights. Yeah. I guess they specified broadcast rights, but it's TV broadcast mm-hmm. rights and for sponsorships for league of Mechies, Cause that's huge. That's huge for the league. That's huge for possibly for consumers. That's huge for, for a lot of people involved. And I, I, I really, I hope they pull it off. I'm yeah. skeptical too, because you know, what, what would, a, what would a Telemundo say? Well, you know, you know, with their deal with, you know, with Chivas, obviously Chivas are a powerhouse here. What, what, what would do the say? Cause I'm not entirely sure if, if there would be really be for or against this. So I, I, I I'm I really think... curious if it works, if it works out, but I feel like it's at least a step in the right direction. I mean, I think there's a long way to go as exciting and enticing as it sounds. I think a lot of, a lot of owners are going to have a lot of things to say, but I think one of the effects should that go through and trickle down is that teams will look for money in sponsorship deals and these types of rights instead of within their own players, which would be a great factor in transfers and having those teams allow these players to leave on smaller budgets, which has become a huge problem because European teams are not willing to pay 11 million, but right. potentially other teams within the MAKIs are. So once you have that type of friction, a, a club like Rayados is not going to say, no, you know what? I want to sell them to Europe for cheaper because it, at the end of the day, these clubs to some extent are a business. So in looking at bringing in money from sponsorship deals and commercialized TV rights and broadcasting rights, I don't know. I think it, it opens the market a little bit. I know that's yeah. a complete leap and bridge to another um, effect that may not be as immediate when thinking about it. I don't know. I think trickle. There's so many things that'll trickle down from these types of decisions that we may not even realize at the moment, which I think is exciting. Should it happen, of course. Yeah, and I think I think there's a lot of, you know, it's 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 not a black and white you know, kind of, you know, thing here where it's like, it's either amazing or it's terrible. I think there's some nuance here when it comes to these kinds of things. So would this possibly lead to more centralization, which let's say regarding jerseys, you know, would that possibly mean to them having, you know, what you see in MLS and therefore it's more standardized jerseys, maybe not nearly as, as exciting. That's, that's, that's a possibility. You know what it, would it mean more, uh, you know, more of a, centralized you know vibe overall with league of mechies and maybe where things feel a little bit more predictable from let's say like a social media aspect you know when it comes to teams yes that's also a possibility but i i am i am still fascinated by the broadcast rights side i am still fascinated by the sponsorship side and like you said this opens up more opportunities for finance to come through and hopefully like you said there that therefore means that teams don't have to ask for for those big money for transfers because they can then rely on that from a broadcast deal. They can then rely on that on a big sponsorship deal. And hey, if a young player wants to go to Europe, yeah, sure. Why try to stop that? Why try to impede that? So I'm feeling hopeful, but like a lot of things in Mexican soccer, I'm not, I'm not holding my breath uh, <laughs> that things are going to turn out uh, well uh, with that. But Lizzie, any other any other final thoughts? Because we gotta we gotta uh, go through a couple more subjects here. Any other final thoughts on on Monday's meeting? I know it was a lot. Uh, yeah. Probably spent a little too long, literally saying, literally reading my my news there, no, actually my news article from last week. That we yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. The people yeah. needed to know. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to hear. It was a good a good little recap. I appreciated it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think there is there's still some level of deception when it comes to these meetings where you think things are great and they're just being told instead of actions, which is a predominant theme in Mexican soccer. Like, right. And also not to like really quickly, there, there was no press conference. There was nothing with media. It was literally just a a very lengthy press release, which also highlighted some of the positive aspects that they wanted to highlight from Liga Mekis, which I felt no need to talk about more like kind of like well they talk about it's like oh there's more 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 time using the ball during the game it's like no let's let's, let's hear about actual changes that you're making here but yeah sorry continue no press conference no media yeah yeah, yeah yeah i think there was a lot of um deception and i think as i'm sure you thought so as well when they initially announced the 
passport to aid and transfers. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's, and so, right. Yeah. You don't have the control. Like you're not the UN. You have no yeah. control over that. So adding that as a factor to me felt performative. And I think that's my yes. concern when it comes to these meetings, then instead of talking about the hard hitting issues and instead of it being exciting, we need details. It, yes, again, it might not be as glamorous as saying we're resolving the passport issue when it comes to Mexicans. We're yeah. talking about the finances of these teams and how that can help. Like, right, one is definitely more exciting than the other. And one is definitely something the fans want to hear more than the other. But I think mm -hmm. falling into that trap is my concern when it comes to these things. Is you're telling me what you think fans want to hear instead of taking action in where you think as a professional, the league actually needs help. So my concern and the pessimistic way of viewing these meetings, but still <laughs> a couple of hopeful, hopeful sites when it comes to the rosters, the playoff format, um, hope for um, relegation and promotion in the future. Lots of things. Yeah. Mixed feelings. Mixed feelings. Uh, the theme of Mexican soccer. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Let's see if we can get through this within the next five to ten minutes. So, really quickly, so Mexico they released uh, last week their forty-man preliminary roster for the Concacaf Nations League. Um, basically, the there weren't there weren't too many surprises here. The only big surprises were that Chucky Lozano um, he is left off the roster, which is due to injury. Um, yeah. He recently suffered injury while playing with Napoli. This is all once again Serie A champion Chucky Lozano. Also, Chicharito uh, was left off the roster. Um, this was after earlier this year uh, stating that he's had uh, conversations with uh, Diego Coca, Mexico's manager, about possibly returning uh, to the national team. But his recent form with LA Galaxy uh, hasn't really helped out uh, very much. Um, Tegatito, um, I think if you're looking for... Um, kind of like good news regarding this roster. Tecatito is back in the squad after an injury, which has been a lot longer than we thought. Much, 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 much longer than than, than we thought. Um, he didn't go to the World Cup, um, but he did make his first appearance of the year uh, earlier the, or earlier this month and scored a goal. It was great to see. It was great to see that. Um, but outside of that, I mean, not too many surprises yeah we could say victor guzman was left out which i think he should be in the mix but if if you know coca doesn't feel like that's the right player for his system that's okay i'm not sure you know victor guzman would be a starter for for l3 right now so i'm not too worried about it but liz your, your, your thoughts on this squad it's basically every, everyone who's probably seriously considered is, is in the mix there yeah um no i thought it was interesting i think we're seeing a little bit more of that generational change that um, fans yes. are asking for. Obviously, yeah. no Rodolfo Cota, like no right. Torreno, no HH, who I know there was a lot of talk of Guardado. Obviously, he announced his retirement, but HH did not. In fact, yeah, when not, we spoke yeah. in January, he said his sights are still set on 2026. So I don't think that was a personal choice of his to be left off the squad and more so a shift in generations within that roster. As you mentioned, not many surprises. Um, having Chicharito not feature is not shocking to me, again, given his form, but also I think his form allows for a chapter to be closed of whether or not he should be in the team. No one's asking for him. The team is currently not doing well, so there's no need for him. I feel like having his name on that roster would have just opened up a can of worms that definitely doesn't need to be open at this point and just kind of set sail and have this new shift of players. Um, De La Rosa, I was excited to see him on the roster. Expected, but always exciting to see young new figures. And yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of expected it, so it wasn't... And it was, it's still a 40 player list. So I'm more so interested in seeing who's making it from that to the final roster. Yeah. So for those wondering, um, the roster is going to be uh, narrowed down to 23 players uh, the week before Mexico takes on the U.S. in the uh, CONCACAF Nations League uh, semis. So that'll be uh, on June 15th. So it'll be the week before June 15th. That's when they're going to narrow down that roster, 23 players. And then after that, they're going to play 
June 18th, now either in the championship game or possibly a third place game, which would be uh, quite awkward for all three um, playing right. that that third place game. But I'm sure at least uh, 900,000 of, of us will still still show up for uh, at Vegas. Actually, my dad, he's a huge Chivas fan. He's hyped right now. He's in Vegas right now. He's going to be he's probably gonna be putting there. in... He's going to be putting in some bets uh, uh, over the next few days on the League of Mikey's final. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I feel like I needed to add that. Uh, Lizzie. Yes. Um, all right. Let's now, uh, let's now like a close out the show. Uh, mm -hmm. We got a few minutes here and uh, talk about the Europeos, the Mexicans abroad. Specifically, we got, you know, Santi Jimenez. We got Edson Alvarez. We got Raul Jimenez. Who do you want to start with? And, and I know you've been doing some reporting regarding this. Um, I think Santi. I think that's okay. the most buzz around Santi Jimenez, which rightly so, just won the league with Feyenoord. Um, I don't know how to translate this in English, but like the star power, star quality that this player carries with him is just crazy to me. So that was very exciting to see him triumph with Feyenoord and adapt as he has. Well, but, I think it was great English. I don't know what you're. <laughs> I, well, I don't know, if, like translate, but because in Spanish, like atrae estrella, but like I, I don't know if. Yeah, I think that's my phrases don't really go from one language. No, to that one. makes sense, though. No, like yeah, no, I think the star power. I think yeah, the star power that he has. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just great. He's phenomenal. Um, I did some reporting, yes, as you mentioned, talked to some sources, and I know Tottenham Hotspurs has joined the list of Premier League players heavily interested in Santi Jimenez, and they joined mm -hmm. the likes of Newcastle and Brighton. Mm -hmm. So there, from what I understand, there have been, from the Premier League, no official offers made quite yet. And I believe um, General Manager Dennis de Klaus, who's Feyenoord's um, current general manager, just switched over from MLS. He also mentioned a couple of weeks ago that no official offers had been met, but I know there's beyond obviously Premier League, so much European interest in him mm -hmm. coming from Serie A, La Liga, the English Prem, like everybody's looking at Santiago Jimenez right now. But what I've found is interesting is the consensus between a couple of teams and predominant teams has been, we think he needs another year at Feyenoord before making that move. But as we've mentioned before, the market is so volatile that yeah. it, it might that is going to dictate whether he leaves Feyenoord or not. Because if one team bids, it will become a bidding war, and that will determine whether he leaves or not. Though again, the consensus remains that he should stay on another year, develop a little bit more, play Champions League, and then more so make that move up. And what have you been uh, hearing over uh, in your Miami headquarters about uh, Edson Alvarez? Well, I heard um, Dortmund is pretty much close to being a done deal. And I know there have been reports about linking him to Dortmund for quite a while. So it's nothing breaking. And I wouldn't take um, the exclusivity on that because, again, I'm not the first one to report that. But just more so confirmed other rumors that I'd heard. But they're... They're pretty close to kind of sealing that deal for Edson Alvarez, and I, I'm eager to to hear your thoughts because I don't I don't think it's necessarily a bad move for him. Yeah, no, and I, I think that when you look at someone like if we're going to compare Edson and Santi, you look at Santi who recently showed up, I think could benefit from another year, you know, especially since he's doing so well, and it feels like with Edson, he's kind of reached a ceiling that you feel similar with a lot of up-and-coming Liga Mekis players, yeah. right? There are a lot of up-and-coming Liga Mekis players where you think, okay, not only have you excelled as a bench player, but you're now doing great as a starter, and you've won a championship. It's time for you to go. And I felt that way about, about Edson uh, with, with Ajax, where I feel like I would rather see him move sooner rather than later, especially since he's also obviously an older player as well in comparison to Santi. Santi still has more time to develop, but I think with Edson, I think it's time for him to, to make the move up. I think he's proven himself 
at Ajax and not just over one season and not just in one position. Right. Like it's not just in one position either. He's proven that he could be a key figure for them, an important figure, one of the best players in the league as not only just a defensive midfielder, but also as a central defender. So I think for me, he should make the, he should make the leap past uh, the Eredivisie. And honestly, I don't know. I, I, I would not, would not be bothered with with almost any move outside of you know you know you know, and assuming he's not taking a step back and going to Greece or something. No offense to Greece, no no offense to Matthias Almeida and, and Orbelin no, out there, but yeah, a step in yeah, exactly. Step. Yeah, um, no, I completely agree. I think he's plateaued at Ajax. I think he's proven what he's need needed to. He's developed in areas that he needed to. Um, granted, he even realized that earlier this season when he asked right. for it in January and the team rejected yeah. it. And that was more so done out of desperation for them because their team was being dismantled. And yes, we saw the effects of that. They're in third place, a predominant Ajax team. But I think these last couple of months have served Edson Arad as well and that he's explored this new position, but it's, it's time to go. And, and yeah. he knows that the club knows that. And I think it was just a matter of timing because there was going to be offers on the table in January and come this summer. If it's not dormant, I do think if for some reason that falls through, I do think it'll be another team coming up to scoop. It's another race. hundred percent, hundred percent. And just to close things out, a quick uh, recap on Raul Jimenez. Um, looks like that there are numerous reports now um, that it he will probably be leaving the team this summer, which I feel like you don't even have to rely on reports at this point. You just look at mm-hmm. his lack of appearances um, in the game day roster. You know, you look at the, the last home game of the season for Wolves. Raul Jimenez didn't even get any minutes. And it was slightly emotional to see a video actually of him, you know, applauding mm-hmm. the fans and the fans applauding him back. And he got emotional. In which, tears, yeah. In tears. So that clearly was highlighting that his time is about to be done with Wolves. We'll see We'll see what his next move is because it's tough for Raul because he's at his peak. He was probably one of the best number nines. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to say in the world, but in the Premier League. And if you're the one of the best in the Premier League, then you could potentially say that you're competing with some of the very best in the world. And he was such an incredible player to watch at his peak before his injury. He was so much fun to watch too. Not just not just talented and amazing, but also just so much fun with Triore, who is this perfect you know player with him uh, alongside him at Wolves. Sadly, because of injury, things haven't exactly looked that good. He's now not even, you know, making game day rosters sometimes for Wolves. And we'll see what happens for him this summer. I hope he stays in Europe. I hope he continues to to play at that level. But also, you know, he's what, 30? 31 yeah. you know I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't blame him either you know because he's not a starter for l3 anymore i wouldn't blame him either if he starts looking for opportunities in in mls or league in mechis because you can almost guarantee it there there's going to be a team in mexico there's going to be a team in the u.s who will probably offer him a lot more yeah. <laughs> and then then what then you know the, what would be a team in what the mid table in, in the epl or you know, maybe like uh, you know, somewhere else in Europe. So I'll be curious to see what happens with, with Jimenez. Yeah, I think it's one of the more heartbreaking stories of modern yeah. Mexican football from his end because you see so many players who cause their own downfall in their career, whether that may yeah. be lifestyle or disciplinary issues or breaking the law. And for him to have it be an injury that you can't, it's not your fault, obviously, it was, and I'm not saying it was pre-planned by David Luis or malicious in any manner, but it, it was an accident, and to see his downfall and where that has caused him, because expecting him to be the same player that he was prior to that injury is absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't yeah. think we can ask him of that, given how traumatic it was. I don't think anybody would be, let alone the, the same player, the same person, mm-hmm. Um so it's sad more so than disappointing. I I actually would love to see him in MLS. I think, and his wife has, has come out and said too, there, there needs to be some sort of like peaceful component to the sport yeah. as well, like, an enjoyment factor when it comes to all of this. So 
I would love to see him living the life that Carlos Vela is currently with LAFC, for example. He's thriving. Once he gets that to, to that 60-minute mark, he's probably off the field. But once he scores, he's celebrating with his wife and kids on the field. Um, and given the traumatic aspect, both on and off the field, and, and I say this as with fans and the toxicity of the press, like I, I think I just as a person, like, wish peace for him. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. hope he enjoys this last chapter of football because at the end of the day, he does – He's he plays the sport for enjoyment. Yeah. I know it's a career as well, right? But um, you should you should enjoy what you do. So And you and you know what? Who knows? Who, maybe he will get an opportunity with another EPL team. Maybe he will get another opportunity in Europe. And maybe that could be the exact change of scenery that he needs. There's, there's – there's, you know, there's – it's not a given that – you know, that he's going to come back to North America, which, you know, if he, if he makes a happy life through that, yeah, yeah, more power to him. But maybe he does move to another European team and he finds the same amount of success. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But but hopefully, hopefully, Raul, I, I think at the very least a change is needed. Uh, and I hope he he, he gets uh, gets that move. And we hopefully uh, start talking about more positives regarding him as opposed to kind of, I don't know, having the conversations that we're having now. But yeah. anywho, Lizzie, uh, to end things on a positive note, I don't want to end the show on that. That would, <laughs> that would suck, right? Be like, all right, that see you all later. Enjoy the League of Mikey's final. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of something. Prediction outside. global global score? No, no, that's boring. We got to no. do something different. We got to do... We already talked about it. I'm not saying that the series is going to be boring. Oh. I want to try All right, Lizzie, to close out the show, what are you having for dinner tonight? Ooh, um, I'm having crispy salmon, rice, and little seaweed crisps. Fake sushi from a Mexican. Are you, so you're like, you made it, you make it like by, by like you, you make that yourself? Yeah, but I don't want to give myself um, too much credit for the creativity. Um, if anybody watches Emily Mariko from TikTok, she gave me this idea. I just added spicy seasonings to the salad. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, well, that sounds exciting. That's pretty cool. Thanks, what are you having? Well, that's that's a lot more healthy than, than the pizza that I'm, <laughs> about, about, I'm about to have uh, with some, some soccer some soccer friends uh, out here and for any for any san diegans i'm uh, who 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 are part of the soccer scene i'm gonna go hang out with the two balls and a mic guys they're they're really oh they're, God, good friends of mine. they're great yeah they're 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 good soccer friends of mine they're and for anybody who's in the san diego area who uh wants to be uh in the know with the san diego soccer scene they're fantastic they're great and i think they're about to start a san diego punto of football uh, website too. I think they're gonna try to start expanding stuff. So, so yeah. No, I'm gonna go hang out with them. Uh, probably get some 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 beer and pizza. And yeah, it's not salmon. Although I love salmon, though. I love salmon. What I've been doing recently, actually, is I'll get some salmon, and then I'll put like some herbs, and then a little bit of oil and some garlic, and then you like like cut up some like you know like lemon rounds, and then like put, wrap and up you- the foil, and then you put it in the oven. Oh man, and it comes out all juicy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I need to do that now. But I'm sure there's a TikToker who does, who's probably does a, a version that's like th- that's thirty times better. TikTok saved my um, cooking life. I, I get tonight. I don't have creativity anymore, so they help me. The recipes help me. So well, Amy's, well, Amy's told me to start using you know, TikTok to kind of like look at stuff, and I have not looked at TikTok. I don't, so know. I don't know. I don't know. Anywho, uh, anyway. so. The, Positive end to the show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Lizzie, for joining as per usual. Thank you to Amy for 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 uploading this and for uh, dealing with me being like suddenly at like saying at it on a Tuesday. I'd be like, hey, we're recording tomorrow after not saying anything on Monday <laughs> when we usually record. But thank you to Amy. Thank you to thank you to Lizzie. Thank you to the listeners. Uh, everybody, have fun watching the League of Mickey's final. Uh, should be great and if you see a any of you are in vegas and see a mexican dad that kind of looks like me but with a mustache uh, that, that is my dad and say hello to him. all right see y'all around everybody <laughs>